Hello, Isabel. Hello, Johanna. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Are you in the studio? I am, yes. It's publication day in America, so we're mm. busy doing videos and sending out links and I'm also planning Inky Art School for next week which I should have done by now but I'm making some some changes. Thank you for taking time then to do this. Oh it's my pleasure I love talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So let's just start. Hello everyone and welcome back to a new episode of Passionista Colorista podcast and welcome back Johanna Basford. Thank you very much, it's lovely to be back. It's lovely to have you here again and uh, I know you are super busy, how, how is it in your life right now? Yeah, it's busy, but kind of good busy. I think sometimes we tip over into overwhelming busy and nobody can make good work or be a good human um, when it's that chaotic but just now it's exciting busy so we have a new book launch um, Inky Art School's kicking off uh, just so many big projects in the pipeline that are exciting and fun How is the rest of the year? Will it keep being this busy? Yeah, it's it's going to be chuckle block between now and New Year, we've just got a few secret things that are going to launch between now and Christmas that I am so excited to share with everybody but also a bit scared but I always think the scariest things are the most exciting to share and also the ones that I'm most proud of but um, yeah it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a busy old few weeks until the end of 2019. How is it to have a lot of secrets that you can't share yet? Is it difficult to not share it? No, it's really easy, actually, because uh, <laughs> I think the scarier it is, the more I don't want to talk about it. And then uh, as we get closer, we do have to announce the, the various different things. That's, that's pretty scary because there's always a big risk that you're going to fail or it's not going to work out quite as you anticipated. But I think I've learned that I do my best work when I'm being a bit vulnerable and uh, pushing myself out with my comfort zones and I think a big part of what I do when I try and inspire other people to be creative is give them the confidence to to do that themselves and to be brave and to do things that make them a little bit scared so it feels only natural that I should uh, go through those emotions as well it wouldn't be very fair for me to tell you all to pick up a pencil and be brave if I wasn't being brave in my own work. But you have had so much success you still feel those feelings? <laughs> more so I think I think I'm probably much more scared now than I was in my 20s I think now uh, I don't know I think there's there's obviously more eyes on you so I think because of the nature of social media and the way that I share my work there's a there's an audience there whereas before I was like this happy being scrappy young graduate that had nothing to lose but everything to gain so I was probably much more courageous when I was younger and now I really have to push myself to get into that discomfort zone and your new book what yeah. what yes it's uh, soon <laughs> time for it to go out in the world how how do you feel about it I am the most scared about this book than I have been about any other ones because it's different. So this book is called How to Draw Inky Wonderlands and it's not a colouring book. 
there are definitely coloring pages in it and I wanted to make sure that there was something beautiful there on you know every few pages for people to color because that's what you guys like but I wanted to take you on a new creative journey and to show you that drawing isn't scary you know I think we build it up in our heads as to be this skill or talent even that you're either born with or you're not and that some people can draw and the rest of us can't but that's just simply not true if you um, can pick up a pencil and write you can definitely draw using my method and it's the book that people thought I was crazy to make because I just show you step by step basically how to make your own coloring book pictures and my publishers were when I pitched the idea they were like are you sure you want to do this because this could really affect coloring book sales I was like, yes, this is the obvious thing that we have to do. We are all about inspiring other people. And, you know, if people then go and draw their own pictures and color them in, that is like a life's mission complete. So, yeah, I'm really excited to share it with everyone. When did this idea first pop up in your head? I would say about maybe two years ago. So I'd sort of thought about it when we were doing Ivy and the Inky Butterfly. And then the ideal for the idea, sorry, for a world of flowers came along. And I just, I think when one idea comes along, sometimes it just sort of tramples on everything else that was floating around at that point. And world of flowers was like that. It literally bloomed in my head and my imagination, in my studio and took over everything um, for a few months. So everything else got sort of pushed to one side. So it's been a little while I've been thinking about it, but because it's a new type of book, it was actually it took longer to make than most of my other books and it was a different process so unlike when I'm doing a coloring book where I just sit at my desk and draw for months um, and create lovely images for you to to color this time I had to think about how I draw and work out the the steps sort of break it down into step-by-step processes so that I could teach you guys how to do it and it was only then that I realized that so much of what I do now is instinctive it's like when you do a forward roll you don't think about right bend your knees put your hands on the floor head down tuck push roll you just do a forward roll and for me when I'm drawing a dragonfly or a sunflower I just I just do it so it was really interesting for me to sort of pause and work out how to explain step by step how I do it. Can you describe uh, how this made the process with the book different from the other ones? Yeah, there was definitely a lot more thinking involved. So I think when I'm making a colouring book, I just zone out for a few months. When I'm in the studio, I'm just drawing. But as this one, it was hard. Like, I think people assume that being creative is always just this blissful, um, mindful, in-flow journey. Whereas doing the How to Draw book, the pages where I was doing the tutorials and explaining things, it just used a different part of my brain. But it was so fascinating for me to sort of deconstruct what I do quite instinctively now and try to work out the best way to to communicate that to other people and how to inspire them and show them the steps that would give them the best results the quickest. Because that's the thing. I didn't want the book to be really sort of um, grandiose and fancy and oh, you can, you can follow this simple 30-step program and you can recreate a drawing from one of my books. It, it was more important to me that the tutorials were small, bite-sized, accomplishable things that people could pick up, tackle, and see like a really beautiful flower in five minutes. Like it's nothing big and scary that's going to scare the pants off you. 
It's difficult, but you'll definitely manage it and get good results that will boost your confidence and make you want to do more. Did you have anyone who tested the Uh, the tutorials during the process? Yeah, Evie. <laughs> My daughter did. But not because I really wanted her to. She would just bust in at the studio and have a go of everything. Um, but in hindsight, a child is probably not the best person to have test this kind of book because children have an unbridled creativity and overflowing confidence. It does not occur to them that they cannot draw something. So I could do anything. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Da, 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 and just and give it a go. But in hindsight, I should have got a test panel of a, of people that were nervous about drawing and doing it. But what I did in the end was I would print out the odd page and show it to my friends when I met them for coffee or if somebody was around for dinner and say, could you just see if you could draw that? So there was a lot of drawing on the back of receipts and coffee shops and people <laughs> doodling on the edge of tickets and things. So that was how the book was test paneled. Did you doubt this book during the process? Oh, yeah, I doubt every book. I think if you're doing a creative project and there's no doubt, it's not a creative project. So <laughs> I think uh, that doesn't that doesn't bother me that I, I worry about things and I wonder if it's right or wrong. I think that's part of the creative process. So, yeah, I think I always wonder if I'm doing my best work, if I'm doing the work that's going to best serve the community, if it's a real project that will have impact for people or if it's just a vanity thing because there are basically creative projects that are just vanity projects and I try to stay away from them I always want to do things that that sort of help underpin my mission that are going to give people a bit of inspiration or make them smile or give them a trick or a tactic that they can then use in their own creative process. But we love to color why do we have to learn to draw as well? Well, I think they're like cousins. It's not completely two different things. You know, they're maybe not brother and sister, but they're definitely cousins. And I think if you have discovered colouring and love that aspect of bringing a picture to life and being an individual and making those creative decisions about colour palette, then you're going to love drawing as well. Drawing is the same but different. It's a slightly different skill, but it's still about making your mark, creating a world, being in flow, looking away from a screen. And all those things have such huge benefits to your health and your well-being that I think we would be silly to ignore such a simple tool that can help us, you know, be better functioning humans. And I think as well, I saw a lot with some of my earlier books where I would leave spaces for people to complete the drawings, particularly in Secret Garden. I would maybe draw some flowers and say, you know, fill the page with your own blooms. And I often would hear from people that they were too scared to do that. And I always thought that was such a shame. Like, there's no reason to be scared of drawing. It's something that's so instinctive for us. So I wanted to give people almost like a cheat sheet. So you're not approaching a blank piece of paper or a half-finished drawing, not really knowing where to begin. My method of drawing is, you know, you take a very basic formula, draw a circle, draw some petals, draw a leaf. And then you tweak it to make variations. And so by learning this basic formula, you can then tackle a bunch of paper with like almost a secret weapon. Like you've got a you've got a first thing that you're going to draw. And once you're past that first initial flower, you're sort of the scariness is gone and you're on a roll. Because I heard someone that said that if I buy this book and do this practices, this uh, tutorials, I will learn to draw like Johanna, but uh, not as myself. Well, I think you 
it's about learning a foundation and I can understand where that person is coming from but the important thing that I always say is I'm showing you a structure so it's like when we all learn to write we all learned to form the same letter shapes but no two people's handwriting is the same and it's that basic principle I'm showing you a structure that will underpin your drawing practice and then it's up to you how you interpret that how you add flourishes you know if somebody already has their own signature style of drawing they don't need this book you know this book wasn't created for them and I'm, I'm really happy to say that it's not a book that's for everyone so if you already have a, a confident style of drawing then you know well done like you've, you've achieved something that people other people are striving for this book will help to get them you know the first step forward so that they can then start to to build on their own style you asked on social media why people don't draw what are preventing them from drawing what answers did you get do you know i am a i would love to do some sort of really geeky graph because the the answers weren't that different you know we saw the same things coming up time and time again and they're actually going to form a series of videos that I'm going to do addressing each of them but generally speaking it was things like I don't have enough time I'm too scared I don't know where to begin I don't have any inspiration I don't have the right art supplies I would say that's the main things and sometimes a confidence one and often it would relate back to an incident in childhood so it's like, you know, something and here's an instant, uh, an example from my childhood. When I was uh, in school, in primary school, so quite young, I was helping create a wall mural for my class and I was given the task of painting the trees. And by that time, you know, it was I'd already announced to the world that I wanted to be an arty person when I grew up. Um, and I'd seen in a picture book some folk art trees. So they were quite basic but big blobs of green and like really vibrant and happy and quite stylized so I drew painted even these trees and my teacher obviously had something else in her mind's eye that she was expecting me to create maybe it was a very more a much more realistic tree and when she saw it she was furious at me and she said that that was no good at all and that I painted it like a child would paint it they didn't get pinned up on the wall and she made a big deal of it in front of the whole class and reassigned the trees to someone else and I had to go and do something else. And I remember being mortified, like so embarrassed and on the brink of tears and feeling just like my face was scarlet. It was horrible. And I think for a lot of people, when something like that happens, it can it can sort of lodge itself in your psyche and make you think that you can't draw and all that had happened there was I painted something that wasn't like what the teacher was anticipating it wasn't that it was bad or you know incorrect but luckily for me that that kind of incident didn't underpin my creativity and didn't stop me from wanting to go on and draw but for a lot of people something like that would knock your confidence so with my book I just wanted to sort of break that cycle to for people that have had like a traumatic incident in the past or have been told repeatedly that they can't draw, to give them an achievable set of tutorials where they can see that they can draw. Where does this passion for making other people being more creative comes from? Well, I kind of only really discovered that this is what I was put on this earth to do in the last few years. Like I think when I was younger, a bit of ego was there and I kind of wanted to be a, an illustrator and to be well well thought of in my field of illustration. But 
through the coloring books and the coloring community, I've realized that, you know, my role here is to help other people to be creative. It's, it's not really about my drawings. It's about giving people the tools and tricks and opportunities and confidence to, to have their own creative journey. And I know the huge impact that creativity can have on my life, how it helps me get out of a, a you know, a, a tricky mood or if I'm struggling with something in my personal life, being creative just really does sort of balance me out and settle me and in a world where there's so much going on and so many distractions and you know god bless technology it's a wonderful thing but it really is a double-edged sword I think anything that we can do to help make the world a better place is is what we should be focusing on and you know I'm not going to find a cure for cancer but I might just help you start drawing flowers (laughs) (laughs) during this book project you took a six-mile social media sabbatical yes How was that? I did. It was wonderful. It was really scary when I thought about doing it. So initially, I'd thought about it in December 2018. And I thought, I'm going to take Christmas and New Year off social media. So there'll be two weeks where everyone's, you know, doing festive things. I'm going to just delete those apps for a fortnight. And that was quite scary. And then I thought, you know, this could be really interesting. What if I did it for a month and just took a, a break completely? And then I thought, what if I what if I did it for six months? And it was something that was really scary for me because you do worry about your audience and if the algorithms are then going to hate you. And, you know, I use social media for promoting the books and for reaching people. And, you know, like that's, it's such a big part of business, but it's also really difficult. You know, like people are on there all the time and anticipating content and, I found that the the mental health effects of social media for me can at times be very bad. Like it can be distracting and all consuming and it was making me struggle to do my best creative work. So there's a there's a guy called Tim Ferriss who has a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show. He's really interesting, quite geeky, likes to deconstruct the work of like really high performing people and give you tricks and tips to to sort of um, replicate what they do. And he has an exercise called fear setting, where you basically journal, what is the worst thing that could happen if I do this thing? How can I combat it? How would I come back from it? And when I did that for the six month sabbatical, so the worst thing is, you know, I lose some followers, but the best thing is I can focus on creative work. I can be a really present mom. I can have more time to cook proper food for my family. I can get back in the gym. I can go for walks in nature. Like it just made so much sense. And it also gave me a chance to really reflect on how I use social media, my business and about the content that I put out. Because just as I should not be putting out bad content, it's really poor for me to do that because then it takes up your valuable time. If you're sitting watching an Insta story that I've done that's rubbish, you know, like that's bad for me to put that out there in the world and bad for you to take time away from doing something productive to watch it. So I think there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to social media. And I just wanted to change the way that I did things. Did you do all these things that you? Yeah, I did. It was brilliant. Yeah, you get, honestly, you get hours back in your day. And I don't, I don't have a personal Facebook profile anymore. So I use an account for keeping up with things like my kids' schools and um like dancing groups. But I found that a lot of people are scared to come off Facebook or social media because they think they're going to miss out on things. And really, a lot of my friends are in group chats. A lot of my news, you know, I still had a Facebook page so I could go onto the app, 
search for the thing that I needed to find and look at it, what you lose is those mindless hours of scrolling where you're bored and you go on and you find something and before you know it, you know, you're watching like a tutorial for how to wrap something in cling film. Like it's just how to cut a birthday cake is a classic one. Like I literally watched the tutorial for the best way to cut a birthday cake. I'm like, what was I doing? So it, it was an interesting experiment and something that, you know, I just recently took two weeks off social media before the book launched uh, just to spend time with the kids and be fully present with them because I knew I had a busy few months coming up. It's just, it's just really refreshing. It's great. It's like a spa break for your brain. <laughs> was it hard f- from start when you just had erased all the apps? No, I think I was at the point of sheer exhaustion. Um that it was fine I just and also it was Christmas and New Year so it maybe would have been difficult if it had been you know I couldn't come off social media at a time when we've got loads of new things to tell you guys and you know like I've got a newsletter and a website but social media is wonderful I don't want you to think that I think it's a bad thing it's just it's a tool and as long as we control the tool it's fine but if the tool starts to control you that's when this sort of perfect balance of things is flipped and you can find yourself in a tricky situation and that's how it was getting for me you know I was spending too long instead of just drawing I would be sitting trying to film it and then to get the best photo and then editing the photo then reshooting it like I should just draw the picture as opposed to spending an hour (laughs) faffing about trying to record it. (laughs) But do you use social media different today after this experience? Yeah Yeah, so I do far less live videos, uh, live Insta stories. And I try only to do a story if I've got something worthwhile to share. Like, I don't go on there and like, I'm so bored, blah, 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 because I just don't think that's interesting. Unless it's going to spark delight or inspire or make you smile, I try not to post it. Uh, I'm very, I'm much more disciplined with my use of my phone now. So I sort of changed up the way I used Instagram as well because I love to follow the colouring community and to repost your work and to see the colourings. But then I also use Instagram to follow like some really inspirational people. And I think when you're using it for two different functions, it can kind of get a bit confusing and muddled. So I set up a separate account, then the studio Instagram account for purely colouring community um, following and, and sharing those pictures. And the other account is, It's just people that inspire me. And that's quite interesting because I try to keep the followers on that below 100 and I'm ruthless. I unfollowed loads of my friends and I was just like, it's not that I'm not interested in your lives, but I just, there's too many people on there for me to really engage with. And I would rather look at a small number of people's posts and and really get the good of them. So that's that. You have been doing a big wall drawing in your studio. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, it it all boils back down to that thing about doing art and well, doing projects that scare you. And I always draw small. The biggest I ever draw is A2, which isn't really that big. And I just had this hankering to do something really big and scary. So I wanted to work out how to do it. I'm embarrassed to say I'm looking at it now. There, I have not drawn on that thing for weeks. Like <laughs> It just sits <laughs> on my studio wall taunting me. But it was such a good exercise in learning how to scale things up and all the different challenges. And it's a project that's ongoing that that picture will be finished. Eh? And it's just, yeah, it was a different skill. And it's a good way to 
stretch your creative muscles to do things on a different scale or with a different um different set of materials and it was challenges like how do you get a huge sheet of paper vertical on your studio wall you have to install pin boards you have to buy a step ladder so you don't fall off your chairs you have to think about if you're going to use a staple gun all those little creative challenges that just stretch different parts of your brain and, and take you out of your comfort zone it wasn't that you had a wall that was empty and you thought that you needed to fill it that was that you wanted this challenge yeah 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 i wanted to do something different i wanted to do something scary and different and i just don't want to be doing the same work for the rest of my career and you know I love drawing nature inspired artwork but you do have to challenge yourself and to do different things and drawing bigger also gives you the opportunity to draw more like the bigger that sheet of paper yeah it's scarier but there's just so much more space to fill it with beautiful things and to to hide little intricacies so it's an exciting project for me I've literally never drawn this big not even in art school when you tend to do your craziest projects so it's um it's interesting from the time when you were off social media the things you then could do that you maybe couldn't do as much earlier is it something of that you have to drop now when you are kind of back in social media and uh, launching the book things like that yeah i mean you only have everyone just has those 24 hours in a day and there's obviously things that um that just have to be done so it goes without saying that you know a little bit of time has been clawed back onto social media but nowhere near what I was doing before I am much more tactical practical about it I do the things that I need to do and I actually invested in learning a few new skills so just now I'm looking at lighting um, I also want to learn how to edit my own videos because I quite like the idea of doing uh, just to camera talking pieces so not a live video but just speaking about a certain issue or demonstrating a certain technique And when you get a film crew in to do that, to help you, yeah, it's more professional, but it takes a full day to to film a set of videos, to edit. And you also lose a bit of the connection if there's somebody else there behind the camera. Whereas the thing that I love about doing live videos, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, is that it's just me and you guys. It's me and the community and I speak directly to you and it's unguarded and I don't feel self-conscious about someone else being in the room. So to learn to edit my own videos is my next big challenge because I would love to be able to just do really quick but beautifully edited pieces for you guys to show you certain things or to share stories, anything that's going to help inspire you. So yeah, that's that. And I don't, I come off Twitter. I just, it's such an angry place Twitter, isn't it? Like it's yes, just... I'm not there often. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> but do you still exercise and cook and walk in the forests? Yes, definitely. I think uh, I think unless you're looking after your yourself, you're just you know, I'm a mom, I've got two young kids and when I when I was at my most frazzled with work and just working flat out and not making time to exercise, not making time to look after myself or to cook good food, you know, it's junk in, junk out. You just you can't be a good human in those circumstances and you definitely cannot do your best creative work. And I think we only get one one chance to be on this earth, one opportunity. And I want to max out the potential that I have here and to be the best mum that I can be, the best friend, the best wife. So to do that, you have to you have to look after number one and then, you know, everything else sort of falls into place. So I I really, truly think that my creative work is much better this year after spending some time thinking about how to take care of my body, about you know, looking at things like meditation, 
doing a bit more yoga, getting out and doing a bit more running back in the gym, eating good food. Like it's just all those little things that I think really, really help you as a, you know, as a human, but then also feeding your creative work. Because I have seen you doing some posts earlier about self-care. So it seems like it's something you are thinking about. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm being honest, when Evie was really young, when, you know, the coloring books first sort of really blossomed and everything was super busy, self-care seemed like an indulgence. It's like, who has time for self-care? I have a baby to to feed, to change. We're not sleeping. I've got book deadlines. I want to be there for the community. I want to travel to meet my publishers. Who honestly can find 20 minutes to do a workout or even to deep condition their hair. I remember saying to my friend, I will never deep condition my hair again. Like those days are over now that I am a mother. And that is just, it's, it was so counterproductive. And it really took, it took a friend and my husband to point out to me that you really need to look after yourself. Otherwise you're no good to anyone. And it's like that story about in the aeroplanes, you know, if the oxygen masks come down, you have to put on your oxygen mask first before you go to help your child or your friend. Because unless you can breathe, you can't help them. And it's that same situation. Like unless, you know, I'm in a good place mentally and physically, I just don't think I can show up and be a good person and um, create good work. And uh, you talked earlier about a podcast and uh, a man that uh, helped you dare to do this project, this book. Yeah. Do you have other inspirational persons that you have? So um Marie Forleo, I love her. She is she has a book out just now. It's called Everything is Figured Outable. And I've listened to Marie's podcasts and watched her show online for years. And she is so inspirational, really smart, shows you how you can tackle any project and really, you know, just just have it all work out. Who else? Who else? So Tim Ferriss, Marie Forleo. There's a couple of like super geeky sort of internet marketing ones that I listen to only because I find it fascinating that world of like algorithms and what is the best practice just now for getting maximum followers on Instagram. And then I don't do the things that they say just because I think it's crazy that like for a while everyone was telling you, if you really want an audience on Instagram, you have to do an Instagram live video at the same time every day and turn up and be regular for your audience but then that would be asking you guys to go out 20 minutes of your day every day to watch me waffle on like I don't think that's respectful or achievable or realistic like I can't possibly have good content to put out every day so I would much rather slim things down and show up here and there than be blitzing out stuff all the time I like Rachel Hollis. I think she's really inspirational. She's the the lady that wrote um, Girl, Wash Your Face and Girls Stop Apologizing. I love the Design Matters podcast with Debbie Millman. That's a really interesting one. Can't think of anything else. I'm just going to have a little look at my phone and see what I've uh, got on my podcast list. Passionista, colorista, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it, actually. Those are all the good ones. There's one called Happy Place that I listen to. That's by a lady called Fern Cotton over here in the UK. That's it. Yeah. Marie Forleo would be the definite one I would recommend people look up. She's she's some lady. 
when you have all your ideas and are thinking about how to go next in your career and so on, who do you talk to? Uh, my husband always, James, we are both we both have our own businesses so he is a brewer he runs a brewery um but i think it's really unusual to have somebody that you can like speak to about completely crazy ideas and they are 100% with you and and get it like it wouldn't work if he had a 9 to 5 office job and i'm walking in going babe babe i've had this idea i'm going to draw this 2 meter big circle and it's going to be really cool and i'm going to like it's going to take me months and i'm going to have this massive sheet of paper and he's like really <laughs> whereas because he has his own business and he's a creative thinker as well, like that, that kind of a uh, chat works really well. And um, I tend to not speak about work with my friend just purely because we've got so much other stuff to speak about. And I think it, it's, it's almost, I feel like I almost need to keep my ideas in my head until I've worked them out a little bit. James is always a, a safe and secure sounding board, but I love to make little notes in my diaries and in my sketchbooks and my notebooks. And it might be something really simple. Like the other day I posted a picture um, on my Insta story of a thing that I found that I must have scribbled very early one morning, like 3 a.m. And it's a little drawing of a, of a clock on the back of a snail. And I've just written clock on snail, question mark. But it's that kind of thing that it's just a seedling, like a tiny little fragment of an idea that will no doubt blossom into something that you'll see in a book later on. And the drawing school, I mean, you are launching this book, but you also have this drawing school. Yes. Yes. So Inky Art School was an idea that I had. I wanted to max out our opportunity to inspire people and to immer emerge immerse immerse them into the world of how to draw inky wonderlands and i thought about doing an online course and this is one of those ideas like yeah i'm gonna have an online course it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be free for everyone holy moly online courses are really difficult it turns out it takes a long time to set one of those up and they're quite expensive and then i really really wanted to make it free for people and then i also didn't want to make it critical that you pre-ordered the book to get to join the course so I think often people have you know a pre-order incentive whereas for me I wanted to make it open to everyone hmm. a lot of my audience aren't in places where you can pre-order the book just now so I don't want to exclude them but Inky Art School is a 10-day online course completely free it's one hour classes every day for 10 days and I'm gonna um, chat a bit about creative matters show you a tutorial, walk you through it. We're going to do some live color alongs. We'll have some live Q&A sessions. It's going to be like the experience of a of an in-person workshop, but through the, the comfort of the internet. So you can sit wherever you are at home and watch along live or watch the replay because I know that not everyone's going to be free at the same time and hopefully guide you through those first 10 days of the, of the course. It's uh, too late now to sign up for this how yeah. many how many people have signed up well that's a bit of a problem we have 15,000 people that have signed up but we have had some issues with um, Facebook I don't know how many people can join we're running it through a Facebook group and uh, we, we crashed Facebook the, the group a few times just the number of people getting added to the group so it doesn't kick off until next week so I have until next week <laughs> to uh, fix those glitches, those little challenges that make things interesting. <laughs> Did you think so many would sign up? No, no. But 
I'm delighted that they have. It's certainly been challenging to make sure that we respond to all the inquiries and notes that people have. And, you know, if they've got questions, I really want to get back to people personally about that. So it's been it's been a really lovely way to sort of touch base with the community before the book goes out. Because I hate the idea of being quiet for ages and then just going, hey, I've got a new book, go buy it. Like that is so, it's just so ingenuine. It's, it's just horrible. It makes my it makes my ears sweat and my toes curl. Like it's just cringeworthy. So I would much, much rather focus on delivering great content that serves a purpose and can help people that will go along with the book but equally you know people don't have to have that book to do in key art school and that was that was really important to me what are your best tips to how to start drawing oh good question so i would say draw in pencil first because if you make mistakes you can erase them draw in ink at the end so i always draw completely in pencil first then i redraw an ink over the top of the pencil and then erase it If a big sheet of paper is really scary for you, get a smaller sheet of paper. It sounds so silly, but, you know, an 80 sketchbook is really scary. Draw on a post-it. It's not so scary at all. Uh, drawing is a skill you need to practice. It's like riding a bike. So you need to develop your skills and your muscle and memory and build up your confidence. So a little bit of drawing every day will help you get better quicker. And lastly, Don't compare your work to anybody else's because your beginning is not the same as somebody else's middle. And you should only compare your work to the stuff that you drew yesterday. That's the only thing that you should compare it to. Otherwise, you're just, you know, it's like it's going to hurt your heart. It's going to disappoint you. It's going to make you feel that, you know, you're worse than you are or you're better than you are. There's just no good can come from comparison. So try not to do that. What paper should I, should I use when I start to draw? Yeah, so I use a paper called layout paper that's really thin. And it is like an artist and designer's paper. It's not massively expensive. You can get it on Amazon. But you can draw on anything that's smooth. So I would say like office paper that you put in a photocopier, not the glossy stuff in a laser copier, but just plain white paper is absolutely fine. If you want a sketchbook, you don't need to go and get some crazy huge artist thing get a little moleskin notebook or something similar from the supermarket. I think people assume that you need fancy art materials to draw. And that's such a lie. You know, the cavemen painted beautiful murals with crushed up berries on the walls of their <laughs> caves. We do not need fancy art supplies to be creative. Get an HB pencil and a sheet of office paper and stop making excuses. <laughs> Your daughter seems to take after you. You posted some wonderful tutorial, drawing tutorials she did some time ago. Oh, I know. I've created a rod for my own back with that one. She thinks she's some sort of YouTube sensation now. I'll need to manage her um, expectations on that one. But yeah, they both love drawing. And people often say to me, oh, they're taken after mom. They've obviously got your your genetics. But I think any child likes to copy their parents. And if I had been a hairdresser, they would no doubt pretend to be hairdressers. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where they see me drawing all the time and they just think that's the normal thing that an adult does. So, you know, it, it never occurs to them that it's anything special. They love to draw. Evie is determined to now film more and more tutorials, but I'm not. I just, I mean, the kid is as crazy as she is. She doesn't need 25,000 people telling her. <laughs> it's brilliant <laughs> she knows <laughs> but now when you are learning the community to draw is the plan to stop doing coloring books 
No, I don't think I'll ever stop. You know, as long as you guys want them, I'll make them. And even if you stop wanting them, <laughs> if I have a really good idea, I think I would still make it just just for my own sake. Otherwise, the idea would just implode in my head. But I think there's always going to be a special place for colouring books. You know, like we spend so much time looking at paper and binding and the shades of gold that we can use on the cover. And there's something so special about a colouring book that can be treasured. So whilst I'm delighted to be showing everyone how to draw, and I really hope you create your own drawings that you then colour, I think there'll always be a place for for colouring books because they are, they're just, they're just different. Who knows, might collaborate with the community and do some sort of crowd co-created colouring book one day. We'll see. <laughs> But have you ideas for new coloring books? I do, yeah. So um, I was speaking to a speaking to my agent and my publisher this week actually about a new coloring book idea, but then also about five other ideas, which is kind of how it always works with me. We have five or six ideas, and then we have a chat, work out which one's the best, and then go for it. And before I leave you. I will give a special thanks to all of my lovely patrons that is helping me doing this podcast. Thank you so much, Samine, dear Samine, Livshar, Birgit Lindgren, welcome as patron, and Nati, Mara, super welcome as patrons and supporters of this podcast and my work. And if you also love this podcast and want to be a supporter, a patron for early access to the episodes, longer episodes, freebies and sometimes discount codes. You can click the link in my bio on Instagram or go to my webpage passionistacolorista.com. Click the menu and choose support me and there is all the info. The extra material for this episode, for example, is a talk with Johanna about her earlier books, how she today feels about Secret Garden, Magical Jungle, Enchanted Forest, Johanna's Christmas, World of Flowers and Ivy and Inky Butterfly, and a free page from her new book that she kindly sent to my patrons. Those Ivy books that you put around the world, how did that go? Yeah, they're still out there. I think that's good. So that's been two years that they've been out in the world floating around. And it would have been really interesting to like geotag them so that we could sort of ping a satellite and work out where they are by GPS. But every now and again, one of them pops up and it's lovely to see how they're progressing. But I have full faith that in, you know, when the time is right, I'm going to get this dirty manila envelope with a ton of stamps and fingerprints arrive in my studio desk and it's going to be one of the books come back from its journey around the world and I cannot wait for that moment. Thank you Johanna for joining my podcast again. It was as always nice to talk to you and good luck with your busy end of the year. Thank you. I'm I'm all relaxed and ready to go. I'm going to just dive in. <laughs> And thank you everyone that have been listening and uh, see you in next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>